This week on The Native Immigrants, we tackle the subject of grief. We look at how we as a community deal with grief, how it's affected us personally, and what the lockdown restrictions have meant for many people not being able to grieve with their loved ones. The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another episode of The Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. So um, apologies to everybody, first and foremost. We took a little bit of a break. I looked at you so confused there, like, what for? Why are we apologizing <laughs> oh, to people? What we got to apologize We got for. nothing to feel sorry uh, yeah. about. Yes, we did take a break. Yeah, uh, it was uh, a, a postponement. Uh, from what should have been out last week uh, is now out this week instead. So for everyone that was sitting there patiently in front of their phones, waiting for the notification to come up, telling them that the Native Immigrants episode for this week is out and then went to sleep, like not even having any dinner, not being able to speak to anybody. Crying themselves to sleep. Yeah, emotional wrecks that you all were. Yeah. Uh, we do apologize to you. I hope we didn't cause you too much anguish because we're here for this week instead. We are back. Yeah. Well, back, you know, we, we're still, we always here. We just took a little bit of a sojourn. Yes. <laughs> well, some of us are still taking that sojourn. It looks like Jojo V, isn't it? Yes. No, sorry. It was all my fault. I take full responsibility for feeling well, it's not quite full responsibility. Um, uh, yes, I felt very shit. And so we decided to take a break. Yeah. I needed to rest. Yeah. Resting up physically and emotionally. Um, this episode, as stated on our social media and the run up to this week, is about grief. And it's something that we're going to be talking about at length on the second half of this show. Uh, It's a reason why we couldn't record last week. But it's something that we have been meaning to talk about in previous shows. And we've touched on it on previous shows. But with the events of the recent past uh, amongst ourselves and our circle and amongst people we know as well that have had a number of losses in their lives, we decided that this was the opportunity for us to speak about it. And it's actually a change from what would have been our original show last week. Uh, So this has been something that's been uh, on the works, but I think now was the right time to address it. Yes. Unfortunately, it was a relevant topic for us to have to discuss this week. Yeah. It's one of those things you don't want to have to talk about. Yeah. But in in our lives, Mm. it's become more and more of a relevant topic. Yeah. So we will be discussing all of that in the second half of the show, as well as some of the thoughts and heartfelt words from some of our listeners who share their experiences of grief. But before that, very quickly, a couple of things that have happened this week that we probably need to touch on involving our community. Mm -hmm. Firstly, Sabia Sachi. Oh, don't get me started. Yeah, it was a very different emotion for Jojo B uh, in the latter half 
of last week uh, regarding Sabir Sachi's collaboration with H&M. It's pure rage, honestly. There was loads of hype around a massive launch that was going to happen. Sabia Sachi H&M collaboration. And oh you, my you God. are like a massive like Sabia Sachi yes, uh, stan. I am. You? I even went to like a wedding show once just to meet him. I was already married. I didn't need to buy any of the clothes there. <laughs> I just went there to meet him and see his lovely clothes yep. and all this stuff. Right. So I'm a huge Sabia Sachi fan. I don't own anything by Sabia Sachi. What are your wedding outfit? So like, like now, come on. Right. So my wedding outfit, they kept saying to me, this is Sabia Sachi, Sabia Sachi. And I was like, oh, okay, really? There's no label on there, nothing, right? Mm. This is like a, uh, what do we call An homage to <laughs> Sabia Sachi. And, um, and I, that's the nearest I've got at the moment. And it was a very good homage. Um, so, but I want to own something with the label, you know? I want to own, I'm not a label fiend at all. Mm. But Sabia Sachi, you know? Like, that's special special thing for me right and um so yeah so they're gonna do this big launch it was gonna launch in india it was gonna launch here and it was gonna launch in the u.s we all had our times of when things were gonna be available 8 a.m 8 a.m in the uk is what they said yeah so i was ready i got up early i showered i was changed i was sat on the sofa i was ready with my laptop i was in full kind of purchase mode with my credit card next to me mm-hmm. i went on there 8 a.m nothing everything is sold out yeah. uh, bang on am not just for me it wasn't just that i was a bit late or anything like that everyone i spoke to that i knew it was going to be doing the same thing as me and everyone on twitter everyone missed out yeah exactly because right. apparently everything went on sale at like 6 a.m mm. <laughs> and so things are sold out because people who obviously don't have anything better to do, just went online <laughs> at like 5.30, 6am or whatever. Real, The real fans, Yeah, basically. and then, and also, it's like, there's a massive launch. They said there was nothing on their homepage. Yeah. It was like, you have to search for Sabiasachi for anything to come up. Wow. So the, it was just, it was a really weird, weird thing. But then if you look at Twitter and you look at Instagram, then nobody anywhere in the whole world got any of those clothes. I have not seen a single person say, hey, this is what I bought from Sabia Sachi. This is amazing. I got what I wanted. Literally no one got anything. That's none of India. So none, yeah, because if you look at um, Sabia Sachi's Instagram post, there's just loads of people from India going, this is ridiculous. Like we wanted to buy something and now we can't. Mm. Um, along with other people going, what the hell is this? I could buy this from any next shop. <laughs> Why are you charging so much money for it in India? And here, people are just desperate to be able to get hold of something they can afford from Sabia Sachi and to see some representation finally in high street fashion mm. from the AM, a South Asian designer. Yep. And no one got anything. And if you went in store in London, imagine a flagship store in cent- central London sure. didn't stock it. Whoa. They were like, oh, we're only going to stock it in store in one shop in Birmingham. In Brum? Yeah. Of all places. I know there's a massive like South Asian contingent there. I just think that here, still. they just massively underestimated the demand. And I, I don't think that they thought anyone would be interested in the Sachi label. In which case, why would you bother doing a collaboration yeah. in this country? You could just make it an, an India-only thing then. Hmm. Yeah, of course. I just yeah. don't really understand I was, anyway, I was sorely disappointed. There's loads of people slagging it off online. Some people just didn't like the the idea of it and they didn't like what was included. There was a couple of pieces I really liked and that I really wanted. Um, and I didn't get them. And yeah. I was really, really fucked off. A massive shame. Yeah, because it should have been such 
an amazing fashion event in terms of South Asian representation. Yeah. Because what do we see on the high street that isn't like just you know appropriated nonsense it's actually coming from a designer yeah yes, of course. maybe some of his designs could have been a bit better but also it has to be mass market so he i think he kind of blended it down a little bit yeah of course um and i really like some of it <laughs> yeah no it's a real shame because it is almost a collaboration of those two cultures which is exactly what we are and it yeah. would have been a great representation for uh the british asian community to to see you know our designs you know fused with western culture to to give uh, a whole new fashion scene almost in a way yeah uh, and there there are so many great fashion houses in india and in south asia in general there's so many great fashion houses so many amazing designs that come out of there mm. and i don't think that they get as much um kudos as as some of the other designers in other parts of the world that yeah. and I, and i don't see why because actually some of the designs are amazing. Mm. Um, but yes. But since I all of this stuff and everyone started slagging off his designs in India, you know, the posts that I see on Instagram yeah. and stuff, I've learned some interesting things about his working practices that I'm not sure I'm quite, uh, you know, 100% with. Oh, okay. But then shouldn't really surprise me um, about him not paying the... Because he has very beautiful, intricate um, embroideries and stuff and him not paying the uh, craftsmen who do oh, that. Oh, okay. He wouldn't be the first designer no, like, to do or something. Or not paying them no. well enough. They get paid, but not very well. And that kind of thing, just exploiting his workers and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, but then charging like thousands and thousands of pounds for a lenga for a wedding. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that's, that, that's what I said. That's, uh, fortunately, that's part and parcel of that fashion industry. I, that's, he wouldn't be the first no, uh, fashion and H&M house obviously, the same thing. Yeah. You know, all, the, all these guys exploit countless numbers of uh, asian children in their factories and workshops uh and so yeah, children women men whatever like just people um especially in like india pakistan bangladesh sri lanka the, all those places that have kind of really poor working practices um and then you hear about horrible tragedies like uh, we did recently in in, in bangladesh, bangladesh yeah. so um yes we i think I'm becoming more mindful of this kind of stuff now. Yeah, well, good. I haven't bought any clothes for a long time anyway. Like, I just, I mean, who it needs shows. to? <laughs> I get lost. But I don't really buy much now because I'm at home and I'm also trying to be a much more mindful of, I've just like, you know, you just used to go into Primark and buy stuff hmm. for the sake of buying it. And it's just nonsense anyway. Yeah. So I'm trying to do my bit for the world. Yeah, no, so, good. You know. All you bastards who bought all the H the H and M Sabiasachi collaboration stuff. Maybe you did me a favor. I'm not partaking in the superficial and wasteful world of fashion anymore. And you did me a favor as well, because it just means uh, Jojo B didn't splash out on more clothes uh, uh, and take food out of my baby's mouth. More clothes. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So yeah, H and M sort itself out. I don't. Know, doesn't look like they're going to be a restock anytime soon. No, they're not restocking. Yeah. All it was. Right. It was a weird, poorly managed really bullshit launch and um massively mismanaged and um yeah it didn't it didn't look well it looked good for h&m or sabiasachi there you go epic fail all round yep uh right also an epic fail this week a, a show that we don't really watch haven't ever seen an episode of nope. this probably the only people this side of the equator uh that doesn't watch this program either uh love island I don't know. I think a lot of people our age group don't watch it. But... Uh, you no, know, I've literally, my whole timeline over the course of 
every time this show is on. It's literally nothing but this show. Even if the football's on, guys are still tweeting about this show. I'm part of lots of wrestling communities. We're always talking about wrestling stuff. And they're always like, right, we've got to cut it off at nine o'clock because I'm watching this show. That's how much this show has like, monopolized the minds of the British public. I... Why are you giving me that face? Because I just don't understand it. I just don't get why people want to watch this shit. But, you know, until we've actually tried it ourselves, maybe we should, like, hold back on our opinions of it. Because it's the typical old old couple thing of saying, oh, these, you know, these no, shows. No, because where I used to work, um, the girls in the office used to tell me about it. And I'd be like, why are you watching this fucking, like, it's just so toxic and it's just so unnecessary. And I, I have... Okay, are we going to say what it is? Okay, yeah. So, like, cut to the chase. Love Island yeah. is what we're talking about. So we're talking about Love Island, but I've watched other dating shows and I love them, right? Mm. But I don't know. I just, it's just so, it just sounds so awful. <laughs> I can't bring myself to watch this mm. show. I think, you know, we're going to have to experiment properly uh, next season and actually just watch no. at least the first episode, the second episode. But then, then we can firmly decide an opinion on this and also i think we've missed the peak goodness of it anyway possibly yeah possibly. because i've heard nothing but bad things so people are watching it but they hate it at the same time this is the thing i don't i, don't I think people, have... like, people get emotionally invested by that point and we've watched loads of tv programs we're like like halfway through the entire season we're just like this is terrible but yet we still tune in every single week to see well, how things i don't out. though i don't i just stop watching you carry on i just stop i just leave the room and no one anymore the other I am not I don't have enough time to be wasting it on shit like this I'd rather re-watch Gilmore Girls for the 50th time yeah which is what I'm currently doing someone that clearly doesn't have enough time eh? um, but yeah so there's a bit of a controversy this week with uh, one of the girls Priya uh, who's on there who mm. was dating uh, a gentleman on that show uh, of another ethnic race and it rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way on Twitter and all the social media platforms. She basically went on a date with a black guy. Yeah. People are still, unfortunately, stuck in that backwards mindset. We're exactly what we're trying to get away from. Um, we've spoken about previously on this show about mixed race couples and our solidarity with that community. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, we still have a lot of people that have that negative mind state. I would say that it's the type of misogynistic men that would have a problem with a woman doing anything, just anything in her life. Yeah, true. Um, and so because there was comments about her going on a date with a black guy, they just, I'm, from what I can gather, they just sat and had dinner together and talked. Right. Like, like I don't think anything physical happened between them anyway. Yeah. But either way, it's none of anyone's business, except for the fact that, you put it on TV and everyone is watching it. Yeah. But there's the, there's no need to be offended by it. And also there was like lots of comments about her just being there in the first place. Like, oh, she's a doctor. So she should be doctoring. Right. <laughs> you know, like she shouldn't be, she shouldn't be on TV. What's she doing? She's, you know, a shame on her family because she should be at work and she's here. Instead. Saving patients. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God. Like these are the type of men that will say things for the sake of saying things. Yeah, of course. Of course. And they're just offensive all the time. Yeah. And so I don't think you can expect much better. I'm not excusing them because it's like, oh, well, they're always like that. But they are just, they're going to be awful about women. Mm. And so when a woman's on TV, they will be extra awful about her because she's putting herself out there. Yeah. 
And it's just the same guys that kind of like, you know, lewd after women as well at the same time. Yeah, you know, exactly. Which kind of um, ends up being hypocritical enough they're calling in the first that, place. Like a, I mean, they were calling it yeah, gendery. Yeah, some and they horrible, like, oh, horrible yeah, derogatory and remarks. Like, oh, I bet her butt was proud and all this kind of stuff. It's just like really awful stuff. Yeah. Um, very judgmental. We've talked about this before. Like, it's just, it's the, it's the racism that's inherent in our community that needs to stop. But unfortunately still very much exists yeah but there was a lot of people calling those people out as well which so. is yeah something that was re really really heartening yeah um and it's something that we have seen i guess a lot uh in the past year uh it's, I, we saw it just recently obviously with uh the, what happened with the euros and there was a lot of people calling out all the racist uh remarks that people were uh, specifically the footballers were getting yeah um and so this is what we want to see and you know you should call it out when you see a situation you should call a spade a spade um because until we do things aren't going to change yeah you know especially within our own circles more than anything else yeah the racism and the misogyny both need to stop and we've seen recently just the extreme end of what misogyny can do with the events that happened in um, in Plymouth. Oh, yeah. And so we need to just be very careful about... Because it, it, there is a lot of um, violence in our community when it comes... And it, and, and, uh, it comes alongside misogyny. Yeah. And so we just need to also call that out as well as the racism. I of think course. we need to stop making excuses for these people and we need to start saying that's not on when you hear people say it because you, you know we've all been in rooms where guys have said something like that and it's horrendous yeah and we need to stop excusing that behavior yes indeed right well that is the end of this half of the show mm -hmm. when we're back on the other side we're going to be discussing our experiences with grief and mourning <laughs> on the other side people second half of the native immigrants i'm swami barakas and i'm jojo b and on this half of the show we are going to be discussing grief it's a subject matter that unfortunately we've all had to deal with in the past and unfortunately again we'll no doubt have to deal with in the future this past year and a half has been challenging uh, to say the least, for a number of different factors within our own personal lives. One that's been more apparent than most, especially with the rising number of cases and the deaths that have followed, has been the grieving process for our nearest and dearest who've sadly been affected by this horrendous disease. I know from our perspective, Jojo B, most of the people within our lives mm. have been touched by the illness in some way yes. within their close circle, within their extended families. Yeah. Uh, someone within that line uh, has either contracted it, had it, suffered from it. Uh, and sadly, we have seen, uh, unfortunately, with our, within our own circle, people that have passed away from it as well. You know, and even if we just put 
coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it to the side, people have passed away in the last few years within our, you know, family circles. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's part and parcel of life. Yeah, it's the only thing that's guaranteed in life, unfortunately, yeah. is that at some point it and will taxes. Come, it'll just it will come to an end. And um I always think that it's you know, you never have long enough with the people that do pass away, however the old they may be, whether that's, you know, very young or they live to a hundred, it'll still never feel like enough time. No. Um and so yeah, death will will always hit hard yeah it's it's a show that we were originally going to talk to a few different people about their grieving processes uh we'd had a conversation with a friend of ours previously about doing a show uh, on an extended piece basically about grief it's not a subject that really we we'd love to sit here and address like oh my god i can't wait to talk about grief you know no, it's- no one wants to talk about it but death is one of those things and grieving is one of those things that it still feels like a taboo you don't talk about it you don't want to acknowledge it we know it's happened mm. when it happens and it's on the horizon for all of us but we just don't want to acknowledge it and it feels like one of those things that you just you don't talk about yeah yeah it's not it's obviously it's not something that we um would sit here and delightfully um go to length that no um but when we did uh come up with the concept of speaking about grief uh a few months ago it actually was probably earlier on this year and we'd kind of had the ideas of you know speaking to a few different people about it uh and unfortunately over the course of the last few months because we've had people within our own lives that have been affected by it uh and people within our own circles that have passed away from it uh it became more apparent that this conversation almost needed to happen with the two of us yeah speaking about this because it's something that has affected us uh it's affected a lot of our listeners and so it gave us an opportunity to to talk about this amongst each other and it could potentially be a cathartic process uh it could um end up being an emotional one but I think when it comes to grieving um, and and death itself, just as you said, it is something that maybe we don't talk about enough amongst each other. We obviously, over the course of our lives, we've been in periods of mourning where we've been together collectively and, and kind of discussed it amongst our nearest and dearest. Some people are able to talk about their mourning and their grief at length. Some people can't. They keep it withheld inside a lot of the time and i think when it comes to grieving and mourning people deal with it in different ways and there's no like right or wrong obviously no one likes to want to see someone keep these things bottled in but if that's how you want to deal with it prefer to deal with it you know no one's here to judge you but there are you know people that will talk very openly very freely about this as well and sometimes that's i guess that can be very therapeutic in a way just to get things off your chest because uh, these things can eat you up from within and that also can be a huge hindrance in you coming through to the other side. That's the main point, isn't it? It's about the fact that you have to deal with it. So you can bottle it up and deal with it or you can talk about it and deal with it, but you must deal with it. You must confront it and the the awfulness of it and the rawness of it and the just the horrendous way it makes you feel. You have to let yourself feel it it's very easy to numb it mm. by distracting yourself, 
by using substances, by drinking, whatever. There's ways of deal of not dealing with it. There's lots yeah. of ways of not letting yourself face it. But in order to come out the other end and in order to feel like you've survived it, then you have to deal with it. And that's not a case of like getting over it because you never get over anyone that passed away that you've loved. Um, you can't you can't get over it, but you learn to live with it and you have to be able to learn to live with it. Mm, because yeah. if you're not dealing with it, then you're not learning to live with it. You're just ignoring the fact that it's there. Yeah. It's a massive elephant in the room that you're just not going to deal with. Yeah. Um, so the yeah the main the main thing is however you deal with things just deal with it you know like and and that sounds simple for me to say <laughs> yeah exactly because no because I I I've been going through this process and I I know for a fact that I said this to you the other day like I don't think I am dealing with it yeah. I don't I think I have been distracting myself and now that I am trying to deal with it it feels really shit yeah. and 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 I don't like it I don't like feeling this way but I have to mm. I have to feel that way because I have to otherwise and, you know, the people that I know that have passed away would be horrified at me, you know, sitting there making myself feel, you know, like not dealing with it and making it worse for myself in the long run. Mm, yeah. I can hear the voices in my head of what they would say. They'd be like, sort yourself out. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And like literally one of one of the people who passed away would have said exactly that. She would be like why aren't you dealing with this like face it you can deal with this you can do it mm. and it's that feeling of like i might not be able to deal with it i might not be able to handle it but you can yeah and no, i know i course, can yeah. i just you just have to ride it out yeah riding it out is one thing but i think you know take our community out of, out of the picture for a second our show obviously focuses on the south asian community in the uk this is something that affects everyone across the whole world everyone yeah. will be dealing with grief and and mourning and death throughout their lives uh you know so um you know us tackling this subject um in connection i guess with our community is because you know culturally the way that we deal with grief uh and mourning uh, it's i guess different to anything else i've seen from any other community across anywhere in the world and you know it, it starts i guess from the way people deal with grief uh, in the subcontinent, back in you know India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka. I've never been to an Indian funeral uh, in my life, thankfully, because as in like uh, one in India. In, in India, yeah, yeah, in India. Uh, but I remember speaking to my cousin. She went on a trip to to India with her family. Uh, her mom sadly passed away in India while they were out there. And uh, it was a horrendous time period for him because, you know, she was young at the time. And, um, her mom was still very young at the time, passed away there. And uh, explaining to us after they came back on the funeral, and it, she said it was just like an ex a horrendously surreal experience because she never got a chance to, to mourn or grieve because it was almost like everyone else within... Um, the extended family took over and it was a lot of high level wailing and like you know really high emotions from people that even didn't even know her mum and you know the, there was like there was just hordes of people just like you know like pushing and gathering and all this kind of thing and she, and she almost felt like t that time got taken away from her in a way yeah. because of it became a spectacle rather than what should have been a really 
intimate time of sadness and reflection for the family for the for the immediate family see now i feel like that's like the extreme end of what of what we do you know in terms of how we grieve we collectively grieve we come together as a community extended family you know people that you live amongst um friends and everyone that they will come together you uh, like Punjabis call it of source you go around to someone's house and yeah. you pay your respects and you know you pray together and you're just there you're just you sit with the the family that it's happened to and and i think that that is the extreme end of that like so everyone comes together but they actually forget the people who are at the center of it yeah and that's when it can become very tra- traumatic or more even more traumatic than it than the experience already is just because of the death of the person yeah, is, is yeah, hard enough yeah. and then to be feel like you've been sidelined must be horrendous but then when you see the best of that it's people coming together and and being there to support each other and you know and to and to kind of just hold your hand and get you through it and and just to be there so you don't feel alone so you like I've, I've been in in houses where you know people just descend yeah but it's to make you your house feel full yeah of life almost yeah. in a way yeah yeah because to, that's, yeah something's yeah. been taken like a massive life has been taken away and it's to almost bring that life back into that yeah. environment and you know and i've been in places where like you're so unbelievably sad but there are moments of lightness where you just you, you yeah. know you end up laughing with the people that are there because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like you're just in this you're all in it together and it feels so I don't know. I don't know what the word is. It just feels like you can. Ha- you have the strength. They give you collective. Collectively, they give you the strength to get through it. Yeah, totally. And and that feels like it makes you feel like you can. You can get. You can deal with it. You, those first few days. Yeah. Where the rawness is and the 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 hurt is at it's like the wound is that the is most open. Yeah. If, uh, you know, and it makes it feel like actually. I can heal, I can do this, I can get through this, you know, mm. it doesn't feel quite so sore if, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it just, it doesn't feel so hard. Yeah, yeah. Then it's the afterwards bit. Once the funeral happens, once the people start going back to their normal routines and and the quiet, the mm. end of it, that's that's the hard bit. I think afterwards, but they get you through those yeah, first totally, few days, totally. which, you know, you crumble in those first few days. And yes, there's a lot to do. There's organizing funerals and figuring out what's going on with at the hospital and all of that kind of stuff that mm. you have to kind of autopilot your way through. Yeah. But at the same time, you, you still feel very, very um, like raw from, from the death and you feel very weak from the death because it's very draining, obviously, emotionally. Mm. But they're there to like pick you up and they bring you food. Like the people, like that's what you do. You come and you you take food around. And, and I think that is actually, that's a universal thing. So as much as we say that the way that we grieve is is very unique to us, actually, I think that's probably a universal thing that people, your community come together and they try and get you through those first yeah, few yeah, days and stuff. Yeah. That's very, that's very universal the way that we grieve in terms of like, there's a time limit a lot of the time. Mm, so yeah. we have 40 days, yeah. you know, you have 40 days of grieving. And then at the end of that 40 days, the official mourning period is over. And then you carry on. Yeah, live your life. And and although that seems like, oh, well, how, how can you be over it after 40 days? You're not over it after 40 days. But what that means is that you get out all of that emotion. You're supposed to just like really like cathartically, like get it out. Yeah. And just really feel it and really 
deal with it in that time like get out the the sadness mm. the like the deep sadness and then and then after that 40 days is up is that you know that you have to now start learning to live again yeah yeah you know that you have a period where you're allowed to just be absorbed by that that sadness about by the morning and then and then actually after that you have to start going back to life again yeah absolutely. and and then that's that's a different stage of the grieving isn't it that's the learning to live without yeah. And learning to adjust to your new normality, um, which is not easy. It's very hard. Yeah. But um, I, I think I, I quite I quite like that the, there's a time limit. I, 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 I do, in terms of, I wouldn't say like a time limit, but I, I'm very comforted by our culture in the way that we deal with funerals in comparison to other communities, I feel. Mm. You know, that whole collective period where everyone is together for that time yeah which i don't i haven't really seen like speakers speak out let me know if you're out if you're not south asian you do this within your communities as well um i haven't really seen it with like english funerals where it just feels like the, the person passes away within a few days it's the funeral and then that's it uh, mm. and then and then everyone you know they have the wake and stuff sometimes um, and the people come back potentially to the house and stuff for for that the same day as a funeral sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but then that's it, and then you have to almost deal with the situation within your immediate family, you know. And yeah. and it, it can, it's a it's a, obviously a very very sad time period, and it's, and I feel I feel like they don't get a chance to properly mourn amongst their wider circle and the yeah. wider community uh, in the way that we do, where like you said, everyone is together. And there is, and that grief is almost shared amongst so many people. Yeah. Um, everyone deals with grief in their own ways, obviously. But you know, the, the strength in numbers enables you to potentially get to get to the other side. Um, you know, a, a little bit easier, I guess. But I, I think culturally, it, when it comes to our community and the way that we deal with funerals, it is almost very similar to our ethos in life in terms of family and so that is almost the same way that we deal with weddings and like everything that involves our like our community events it is in mass as a whole collective yeah. and we we get through all these big events together yeah. in abundance yeah uh and i think you know that you know everyone talks about Asians all being family orientated and you know the fact that we're all very close knit and it's always like yeah. together together and uh, yeah it's a, it's the stereotype obviously that we will have here in the UK or any Asians across the world but I'm very comforted in the notion that when it comes to funerals having those people and all those tight knit circles not just family but your extended friend circles everyone comes together um, to help you get through this process. And I think that's yeah. really, really important. It's one of the real um, shining lights of how our community deal with funerals specifically. I really like that word abundance because it can feel, obviously it will feel like, you know, you've lost, everything is lost once that person has passed away, like in the immediate, especially in the immediate aftermath. Um, and the idea of, like we said, like just trying to make up for that loss of life by filling your room or your house or your, you know, your immediate vicinity with life, with mm. as much life as possible to remind you that life still exists, that you are still living, yeah. I think is a really beautiful thing. And the, the kind of the idea of abundance and reminding the person who's lost their loved one that they 
still have so much yeah. in terms of they still have all of the people that care about them are still around them. Yes. And I think that can be really important because you can get lost, obviously, in that feeling of of loss and loneliness and isolation. And, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of why me, like, why, why did this have to happen? Yeah. You know, why us? How did this happen? And all that kind of stuff. And then it's people having people around you to remind you that life still is happening and yeah. that you are still living and that you must continue to live. It's a beautiful thing. Mm. It's a, it's about not feeling abandoned because you do feel abandoned when someone passes oh, away course, that you, that you love. You know, you're like, how? And, and you can get angry. You can be like, how could you leave me? You know, <laughs> like, and and these are all stages of grieving. You know, like the the sadness and the anger and all the other I think like seven stages that there is. Mm. Um, but you can get very angry as well, and 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 having all those people around you can stop that bitterness. Yeah, in. of course. It's that it's that emptiness uh, that you immediately feel. And just telling stories, you know, like sitting around, I, I, you know, have been in situations where we just sit around and we just tell you, always remember that time that this person did this, <laughs> you know, you can laugh and you can remember the good times. Yeah. And then that is so important to remember that there was a whole bunch of memories that you've got that you can hold on to that make you feel like you still have them in your life. Yeah, yeah. You know, that they're still with you and that you had all these good times with them and that it was possible to, you know laugh with them and live with them and you know and just enjoy life with them yeah um i think is is really important i think it's easy to start forgetting all of that because you're too busy being sad or angry or one of the other feelings that you have when you're mourning yeah it's yeah it's funny you say that and something it immediately reminds me of the biggest loss in my life which is my bar which is my mom's mom so my nanny ma uh, as you'd say like closest person to my life through most of my childhood because she raised me while my mom and dad were working uh, and um, you know was basically mom and dad to me for most of that time period and so losing her was probably to this day the biggest blow and heartbreak of my life and you know I, I obviously I remember that period so vividly like you know and it Every time I think about it, it kind of takes me back to that time period of knowing, like, when you live to a certain extent of your life without anything, like, and it's just been a, a complete, like, harmonious period of, like, nothing bad happening apart from, you know, small grievances here and there, but heavy-handed loss like that, especially uh, at an early time of my life, I was probably, you know, early 20s at that point um still like trying to navigate through life as a young adult let alone you know thinking about grief and loss uh and being hit that hard with like the one of the most important people in my life was crushing uh and the the thing that got me through that period is just that is having people around me talking about her and mentioning their stories of her and what you know what she did for them in their life when when they were young all the way from you know Mombasa and Kenya to you know through her extended friend circle then you know she kept all those relationships alive from all those people that came here in the UK uh, and you know enabled all those close relationships to be maintained for all those years 
um, you know, amongst everyone, um, you know, because family-wise, we're quite a small, immediate family. But when you have all those extended family in the friend circle around you, you never feel like you're in a, you know, in a small bubble because it's, you know, we've always talked about like how our friend circle almost becomes closer to family than our own family sometimes does. Mm. And those people and all those, you know, extended family that came over all from Kenya and the people from from India that she'd met across on her journey and stuff. And it's it's so important to hear new stories about her that you would never have heard. Yeah. If if not for things like that time period of like Absolutely. it's sad because like, you know, I I'd loved for her to have explained all these things to me, um, you know, over the course of when her life when she was alive and talked to me about this story that I found out after she'd passed away and this I would have loved to have heard it you know yeah. the problem was I was like I was a typical teenager at that point before then you know I'm yeah. just like you know you know I love my bar it's amazing and stuff but I'm off kind of checking out girls or kind of alpha with my mates cool, and these kind of things life, yeah. absolutely uh, and you know there's so much I would have loved to have heard in these stories and like just her travels and the people she met and came across and you know the i think the journey is kind of what really connects me to her and the fact that i'm here because of her and it was a horrendous horrendous time period like awful absolutely awful it still to this day i'm, I'm probably i'll never get over it because you can't you know yeah absolutely you don't, you know, you don't know, absolutely she never got a chance to see me get married she never got a chance to see her great grandson um and so that will always haunt me but i'll always be comforted by being around all those people over that course of time people that i hadn't seen for so long you know who came to our house and 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 joined in and mourned with us and talked about their stories um you know like like my own mates and stuff who were like your friends with your your mates and stuff but you know when the real events happen in your life yeah and you see you know your your close friends come and spend time with you and kind of like look we'll help you get through this and stuff like that you you end up getting a deeper connection and bond with them through the hard times of life yeah you know it's all great when people are there for the great times but you know your true friends are there for you in the worst times yeah and um you know you got a chance to see who who your real friends are in that kind of time period and yeah i just like i think for every one of us i know my immediate family and and how difficult it was for us over that time but having all those people and being around all those people really made it you know a celebration yeah rather than like us looking at it you know like a mourning period um and i think like, like i said that's that's one thing which i will always cherish about our culture and, and the way that we we handle that yeah we were talking the other day about how it's time to start doing our will we're very 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 bad that we haven't <laughs> yeah. had our will sorted we should have done it a long time ago but now that we have our little one we need to definitely get it on so we're in the process finally of getting it done and i was talking about how <laughs> you know whenever it happens the time when my funeral needs to be sorted out and the things that I want and I said I want it to be a celebration I don't want everyone sitting around crying. I mean you cry if you want but like I don't want that to be the main focus of 
my funeral. Yeah. I want yeah. it to be a celebration. I want there to be I want there to be, you know, a party afterwards. I don't necessarily I'm not particularly religious, so I don't I don't necessarily need to have prayers and stuff said for me, but I want people to remember me. So, you know, get together, have some drinks, have some good food, please. You know, and yeah. and 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 hopefully people will have good things to say about me and remember <laughs> good things about me. <laughs> That's what I want. That's what I like. And and these are hard conversations to have because, you know, my parents have spoken to me about what they would like. My dad is very particular about what he wanted. He wanted to donate donate his body to science. To science. And I was like, Dad, science doesn't want your body. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the doctor said, no, we don't need your body. You know, like, that's not, <laughs> that's not how it works anymore. And I was like, see, look, science has rejected you. So, like, you know, just, but make it clear what you want because everyone has a different idea of what they think you would have wanted. Yeah what would be best and i'm not particularly religious my dad is not religious at all yeah you know that's where i get it from and so i was like you have to make it really clear if you don't want something religious happening you make it clear yeah because not everyone will be on the same page yeah yeah you course, know families course. are diverse people think differently have different ideas of how things should be done and and i was like you need to make it clear to everyone not just to me you know like but I've had to have those conversations. We've had those conversations, my dad and I, my mom and I. Yeah. And, and you know, they don't obviously want to hear it from me about what I want because obviously, they never want yeah. to think of that. And yeah, of course. It's not that I want to think of anything to do with my parents dying either, but it's just conversations that have to be had. Yeah. In the same way that I had to tell you what I would like because more likely than not, you'd be the one who'd have to sort it out. So, And know. I would obviously take your ashes to Haridwar and... Um, we well, can do. My family have... My family's ashes have been there, but I would much rather that they go out to sea, the North Sea, standing at yeah, Tyne Mouth, yeah, you know, and, and, and chuck my ashes in the water there. That's what I'd prefer. Knowing you, I would like throw your ashes into the air and, blow back, in and blow back in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> just to like be the last slap on my face <laughs> you know what I mean kind of like how could you let this happen you bastard you know? <laughs> um, it's obviously my fault uh, but you know what it's it's you know jokes aside it's I remember a, what, a friend of mine who sad really sadly passed away a few years ago from from cancer um, uh, again a really you know, heavy loss for so many people. And she was really adamant about her funeral being a celebration of her life. And she wanted it to be a happy occasion. She was a very happy character and wanted to ensure that, you know, her, you know, funeral reflected her life mm. because that's, you know, that's what she's all about. And that's what she's always like, um, you know, portrayed herself as and her character and her beliefs. Yeah. And so everyone was like, okay, no problem. If that's what you want, that's exactly what we'll give you. The day of the funeral, it was the, one of the saddest occasions. Everyone was mourning. Everyone was grieving. You know, it's so it's... It's hard I, it, because it's, when it's, someone's it's, like that and they have so much brightness and colour that they bring to your life, when that's gone, it just feels like someone turned the lights on. Absolutely, out. absolutely. It's 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 easy to say the things you want and you, and, and you wish, obviously, for it to not... You don't want your nearest and dearest to be heartbroken and in a state of sadness no. especially w when it's about you you know like yeah. you know I, no one wants to see that i don't want to cause any hurt or pain or anguish to anyone close to me you know even if it is my death that's that's enabled that to happen you know so you don't want to see it so you want you want people to celebrate and you want people to like you know to you know celebrate your life as such uh 
that's obviously you know easy enough for for you to say, but for the people you're leaving behind, yeah, that's a that's a it's a much hard. bigger yeah it's a, it's a it's a much bigger um, situation to deal with. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know it's it it has been difficult dealing with grief and dealing with mourning and dealing with um the the passing of people that are close to us for the past year and a half it's probably taken to a whole nother level yeah i think more than anything we've been talking a lot about the idea of community coming together family coming together we're all there for each other and we you know we're trying to like you know physically hold somebody up but emotionally hold them up as well and then you know we are quarantining we are stuck at home and we can't do anything we we are stuck on our own where we are isolated and we are not able to grieve in the way that us as south asians have been brought up to know what grieving is you know we're not able to mourn in that way and that's been really really tough for everyone um for all of us who've lost somebody to not be able to go to a funeral or, you know, go to the prayers or hug the people that you want to hug and show them support. All those things have been really, really hard and you're just left at home, hmm. you know, looking out the window like I had to do, <laughs> you know, like you just, what can you, what else can you do? Like you can't, it's just really hard. I'd like, I mean, even this week, I'm going to be at the weekend, I'm going to be doing an online Zoom memorial. Yeah. And, yeah. Y- you know, and saying a few words at an online memorial. I mean, it just feels so weird and surreal and how, you know, when someone has been such a massive part of your life and then they go and then you can't, you can't grieve and you can't, you know, give them, the send off that they deserve. Yeah, or give give the people close to them the emotional support that yeah. you know they they need uh, through this. And I know, and like, also it, grieve yourself, like allow yourself to be in that place where you're able to grieve. Like yeah. it's so hard because you're stuck in your home environment. Yes, you feel the grief, but you're not you're not able to kind of partake in the grieving. If that makes sense, yeah, like you're yeah. not there to you're not you don't feel present. Yeah. You feel very, very kind of cut off and and separate to it all in a really strange way. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, it's the the distance is one thing. Yeah. It's the it, you know physical distance is one thing. Emotional distance is like the real um, mm. the killer. You know because you you can't be there um, and you feel like you know for someone that's been such a huge part of your life to not be there at the end of it, you feel a disappointment sometimes in yourself yeah you know for you know feeling like you weren't there for them during that that last time yeah and i guess the biggest thing that comes out of all this is you don't really get the closure that mm. you really want because you know the, I, funerals are that the worst thing i've yeah. I've, I've been i've been I, from my bar's funeral i've almost limited my going to funeral times after that because i'm all it always takes me back to that really dark place and i i'm always i'm always constantly reminded i went to a funeral i think it was about three years ago um for someone that was actually a close friend of my bars and that's the reason why i wanted to be there because they were such a um you know a a close contact of her through her entire life and she passed away and it just took me straight back to that that place yeah you know so funerals can be a real heavy 
toll on you emotionally, mentally, physically. Mm. But it also is very important to be there yes. and 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 get that last bit of clo- not closure because it's never really a closure because you never you, that person never goes away from your life the way it is and like you're not going to relationship you get closure closure from a, a breaking up with an ex or you get closure from you know a, a, a you know friendship or whatever and stuff and then things just move on you're like I'm done with that you never really get over this situation but being in that environment and being there together with everybody else is almost like that final send-off that you do collectively. Yeah, you're able to say goodbye. And I think that's the bit that really has been, for me, a big stickler because I missed a very important funeral for me. And and I just, I mean, in a way, you just kind of end up living in denial that it ever happened. Mm, it's really yeah. strange. Like you can just kind of pretend like it's not happened. Which is what I mean by I haven't really dealt with it. And I feel like a lot of people are probably in the same boat where because it you weren't there and you, you know, haven't seen the coffin or you haven't been at the funeral to like know that this actually this person is really, really gone mm. from your life, especially if it's happened very suddenly. Yeah. Um, that you can then just pretend like it never really happened. Mm. Yeah. And I hate to admit it, but that's exactly what I've done for the last few months. It's just and then it then it hits you every now and again. It's like there's waves of grief that are just, you know, you'd be doing something really mundane. I was brushing my teeth the other day and my eyes started welling up. It's just random. Like you just, you do random stuff and and then you'll remember, oh, this person isn't here anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I, I, I quite often think I should ring her. And then I'm like, oh no, I can't. Mm. And that's really hard because... That's why you need to go to a funeral. That's why you need to have the closure because then those kinds of thoughts... They might still happen, but they don't have to happen as often because you don't get to live in denial. Yeah, yeah, totally. You have to face it. Yeah, no, yeah, for face facing it, obviously, it's 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 hard enough to do at the, at any normal time in life. You know, in this current time period, even with you know restrictions being lifted to a certain extent and stuff, um, it's still like you know challenge, like incredibly challenging, and. I'm not saying it's easier for for like for example someone like yourself because obviously you you know you've got myself here as a emotional support and you've got like I mean your um your in-laws my mum and dad to be here for you obviously to help you through a period of that but there's also people within the past year that have been living by themselves yeah. uh, and and someone very close to them has passed away not being able to be there for the funeral you know, or the, you know, of source period or anything. Or even know. just having the chance to say goodbye before they go. Like there's been a lot of people who had to do, um, you know, just via Zoom or, you know, FaceTime. They had to say goodbye with the hospital yeah, staff absolutely. holding up an iPad or, you know, things like that, that are just, that's just incomprehensible, yeah. you know, that, that you wouldn't be able to say goodbye to your parents or, you know, to your, to your other half or to a sibling or or a child you know and yeah yeah, it's just this there's there's a lot of grieving that is happening right now but i think this there's a period of grieving that will happen for a long time after this pandemic is over because people have been so cut off from the normality of life and get and living life that 
you don't really kind of get to process in the way that you would have done before. Yes. And I think that processing is taking, is going to take a long, long time for a lot of people because a lot of people have lost multiple people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we have, we've lost multiple people. Of course. And, and it can be within a very short, I mean, from December till last week, like it's, it's just been, you know, it feels like it's been a lot of people that have gone. Yeah. And, and I think there are many people who have been the same same boat as us of course and i think the other thing is like you've over the course of like the first even by the third lockdown uh you would have gone through months and months of not being able to see your family or being around your close one uh close loved ones and within that time period you have potentially people that have passed away from any number of reasons and so the next time you see your loved ones it's not even a state of happiness. It's a, a, a state of coming together to mourn after all that's happened, after yeah. the end of a, any, all these you know lockdowns being um, restrictions and everything being lifted. Yeah. And so it you know it is, it, honestly it's it's been a horrendous horrendous time period as it is, but for people that have lost those close to them and not been able to be there for them. Uh, during the during the the last days here uh, uh, on Earth, as yeah, I my heart really really goes out to all those people. Um, you know, because it's you know like we've already said, we've had people close to us. Um, Judge has already spoken about uh, one of our best friends who passed away at the start yeah. of this year, which was incredibly hard for her um, and not being able to be there. And you know, we're gonna potentially go back uh, to to Newcastle in a few weeks and it's it's going to be very difficult to be there around the family and 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 almost it's seeing my other friends I think that's going to be the hardest yeah yeah it's it's, it's uh, honestly it's a but you know our heart goes out to everyone that's having to deal with something similar and and of so many of our listeners will be going through the same um well dealing with grief and how we deal with grief it's easy enough for us to sit here and kind of talk about it a lot of people can't talk about death and can't talk about someone that's passed away we've already mentioned this obviously um in terms of how we our generations deal with grief Mm. is also um you know can be quite variant um with our elder generation you know unfortunately with them because of their age groups, they're seeing more and more people within their same um, age range that have been passing away in the last few years. Um, and so that's very, very difficult um, for our generation. You know, we're people that have been in our lives throughout our lives. Um, young and old. Young that's and old, exactly. Um, you know, it's, you know, how how do you, how do you grieve? <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, that's the thing we said at the beginning. It's a very individual thing, and unfortunately, you know, I'd like yes, my best friend passed away. Unfortunately, I have lost friends before that, yeah. and so it's it's something like I said. You have to you have to process. You have to feel it. You have to you have to experience the feelings that you feel. You have to sit in them. Yeah, that's what my my therapist said to me last year when I was. For other reasons but she was like whatever you're feeling you sit and you acknowledge it and you feel it 
Because until you do, you can't move past it. Mm. You can't move past that feeling. So you're not going to move past the 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 sense of loss, but moving past the the way that that sense of loss makes you feel in that moment yeah. is what is important. So whatever that is, the sadness, the anger, the numbness, the whatever it might be, like you have to sit in it. Yeah. And I think I have done that in the past and I've processed it and it takes a long time, you know, like you, whoever you love, like you love them. And so it's yeah, hard to, it's hard to just, you know, snap your fingers and be over it or yeah, be past it or feel great again. You have moments where you feel fine, you know, but there'll be other times where you don't. And that's when you just have to, you have to feel okay with feeling the way you do Yeah. yeah. on that particular day, in that particular moment. If you need to cry, you cry, you let it out. Yeah. Like you said, if you don't deal with it, if you don't start feeling those emotions, it can eat you up from within. Of course. And and that's when it can take you to the darkest of places. And I think that that's why, you know, I like I said, I have probably haven't dealt with my grief as well as I should have done because it's really easy to for me to distract myself. I have a job now, I've got a toddler, I've got housework, yeah. I've got all this other stuff going on. It's really easy to just like park it and think I'll deal with that later. Yeah, of course. But actually no, because it just makes you feel worse and worse. Yeah. And then you have more people that pass away and then that makes it... Okay, love. becomes harder and harder to no, to course. ignore it it of feels course. harder to not deal with it yeah oh, no no of course of course look it's it's never an easy time period it's it's a horrendous time period and i know i know from my own experience as well um you just end up questioning everything you know you end up questioning you end up questioning like your own life you question like no you know me from you know my my life and how deeply religious i am and you question your faith you question you know everything like you know honestly it just it it just becomes a, a like an overriding sense of different emotions and you're constantly having to like find yourself uh within it and and trying to piece together things within your life to kind of make it work Okay, love. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. I held it together for so long. <laughs> no, it's then... like, it's, like this was this was uh, it was going to happen because this is very raw for us. Um, you know, with the people that um, this has affected um, and and close people within our circles, uh, and so this is yeah. It's, you've got nothing to apologize for. You've got nothing to you know feel bad about. Um, because this, you know, unless we talk about this and unless we kind of get these things off our chest, it is going to start to build, it will build up. And like you said, you've kept yourself busy and you've kept yourself doing 110 different things to enable our life to move forward and, and little things like, you know, just helping us with the dinner and stuff and sorting him out, things like that. You don't get a chance to sit here and actually think about what happened. And it's easy to kind of, just to leave it kind of sit in there and kind of eventually deal with it, eventually deal with it. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's difficult, but we're here to, to help each other get through this. Yes. And we will. 
Yes. yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think some of it goes back to what we were saying earlier on that, you know, like you have, I have you and I have your mum and dad and yeah. everyone, but a lot of these people that I've lost have been people from my childhood that you don't really know that well. Of course, yeah, of course. And so that's again when distance can be a difficult thing. Yeah. Because you want to be with the people who've had that shared experience of course, with yeah. them. It's, it's not easy to do when it's like on the other side of the phone with someone or like you said on yeah. a Zoom call. Um, but you then, know. you know, I'm doing this Zoom memorial for one of the people that passed away recently. And um, and I just think that that's a really, as much as it's a weird thing because it's, you know, online, it's a Zoom thing. But for someone to have thought, you know what, I really want to do this for for this person and and... And kind of ring round, like just randomly. I don't know this person that rang me, but she just said, you know, we really want to do this memorial for her. And can you please be involved and say something? And, you know, I know she was really important to you. And so it's just like, it's actually, I'm going to be in a Zoom room yeah, with a bunch of people that actually did know her and yeah. all had different experience of her and kind of, and, and knew her in different ways. But I know that I'll be with a, with, a group of people that knew her yeah of course of you know course. in whichever way they did but they knew her they knew what she was like they knew the essence of her and i think that's the bit when we say that when community gets together when your family get together or your the people around you get together they know that person that's gone yeah. and so you can share in that collective grief you can share those memories it's really hard when you're you know miles away or even just down the road but you can't leave the house yeah for them to have that sense of community and i think people have found new ways of doing it via zoom you know and things like that which you know we live in an age where we're lucky enough that we have that technology to do that so i mean there's like there's ways and means of getting around it it's not the same it definitely doesn't mean that you get that like we were saying that sense of closure Mm. but you do get to have some feeling of shared experience because there's some people that i know that have passed away from that like hardly anyone knows them yeah but they were part of my life yeah but you know like my friends wouldn't know them my my parents know them yeah you know and that's it really and then maybe a couple of other people but like because they were you know like people that used to come in my shop or whatever you know like that's there's People that were very important to me that played a massive part of my childhood, but other people wouldn't know. Yeah, of course. Of and course. I think that that's the thing that you miss out on. Of, like, I couldn't go to a funeral last week because, and that was somebody that I knew as a child that used to come in our shop, that used to, you know, look after me because I was babysit mm. me. And I, but there's no one else that I could talk to about that other than my parents. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, yeah, yeah. because they were that's that's that was the community that i was in at that point and yeah. so i couldn't go to that place and i couldn't go to the funeral and share that sense of loss with all of those other people that knew him via you know like in whatever yeah, way they course, did yeah, yeah. because i i and that i think that's the difficult bit i think it's like yes you could you could be on your own but you could be living with your family or you could have other people around you but it might not necessarily know the person that's passed away yeah and that's when sure. you really kind of can't process as well yeah because you can't talk about it i mean i could tell you but, it, you but it's not, it's not the same no it, yeah. it really is not the same and i, I guess that, that's what it comes I come back to that point of uh you know that the distance uh, the physical distance and the but the emotional distance 
uh, is will always be apparent because unless you're around those people that you can share those memories with from people that went through them together with you, it's never really going to be quite the same. And hence, when I say it, it's been so difficult for so many people that haven't had any close contact with any of their close-knit family um, during times of grieving and and funerals. And it's been, yeah, it's been absolutely horrific. We are obviously getting to a point where life is not even coming back to some kind of normality because what is normality in these days? But, um, you know, with more restrictions being lifted, um, you know, it will enable hopefully mass congregations to um, come together for funerals. But even then, like, how safe is it? And that's another thing you yeah. have to think about. Like, how how safe is it for you to be in a crowd like that still at the moment? At when the moment, numbers, no. When numbers are moment, still no. so high. And so then you have that to think about as well. Like, okay, I really want to go to this funeral or I want to go and pay my respects at this person's house. But I also need to, you know, keep myself safe. I need to keep my family safe. The vaccines work so to some extent, but sometimes they don't. So, like, do I take that gamble? Yeah. I know so I, a family who went to a wedding recently and they're all vaccinated. They've all got COVID. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. because they wanted to partake in a group. You know, that was a sense of enjoyment and kind of having a celebration together. Mm. But they've all come down with it. And so, and that, and then, so there's that fear of like group events, celebrations or funerals or whatever they might be. How safe are they? And that's another thing that you have to then, you factor have to, in, yeah, yeah, you have to factor in and you have to think about what can I learn to live with? Yeah, yeah. You know, can I can I live with the fact that I could get ill or I could make somebody else ill or, you know, or could I live with the fact that I didn't get a chance to say goodbye? Like, how do you weigh that up? Yeah. And yeah. I think that sense of anxiety that comes with it as well, the social anxiety is really, it's another layer on top of the grief that I think a lot, a lot of people have had, like uh, me, for instance, as well, I've had a lot of trouble with that. And I think that, it just makes it all the more harder. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. like it just makes it that much harder to figure out what the right thing is to do in the long run for yourself, for your nearest and dearest and all of that. And yeah, I, the in the mental health impact of this pandemic is going to take, and I know a lot of people have said it and we've said it before, but it is, there's going to, it's going to take a long time to heal from it. Yeah. And there's going to, be a lot of people who are going to need help to get through it yeah yeah for sure it's yeah it's like i said it's in any given time it's gonna be very very <sighs> challenging getting through this a lot of people have got through this without any problems and you know great for them and i'm, I'm thankful that they've not had to endure any losses or passings uh, or even people close to them that have been affected by covid um everyone that we know unfortunately has uh and it's uh, as of press time people are still continuing to fight the illness um you know even with two jabs like we just mentioned uh we we don't want to get to a point where we in another potential lockdown we'll have to see how life goes in the next month or so to determine that but getting through the other side is always the most important thing Getting through the other side for us, obviously, with this pandemic is is huge. But even when we talk about people that have, you know, sadly lost their lives in the past year and a half, for the people that are still left here with the memories of those people that are left behind, 
it's really about getting through that other side and getting over that massive emotional mental block we never really fully you know accepting of these things you're never really fully over a situation like this but human nature you know enables us to at least get through it collectively as a community together something that is very rich in our culture and it's the one thing that can always be comforted with knowing that I'll have the people around me to help me get through anything that I that will hit me in life going forward I know for myself and my wife that's something that's really paramount to us and with all the losses that we've sadly had affect us in our life we wouldn't have been able to get through it if it wasn't for the people that are nearest and dearest to us and and I could speak on behalf of the both of us and we would like to thank everyone that's been there and helped us through all those processes from my loss all losses all the way through my life I know from Jojo's um and for everyone listening in on this show I'm sure um you will echo the same sentiments um when we do talk about a collective community week in week out on this show it's not just to help us get through all the issues taboos and topics within our community it's to help us get through the dark times but that is where i think we'll end this show uh for this week it's it's been a difficult show but it's a show that we had to talk about and had to speak at length about because it's something that's affected us immensely the last few months and for anyone that's been going through anything similar we're here with you we're thinking of you we will get through this all together strength in numbers we'd asked our audience to give us their thoughts about grief once we'd announced that this was the context for this show and we received some really heartfelt responses from a number of people we'll uh discuss some of those now um shout out to our friend arun kapoor who i'd really suggest you follow him on twitter he has some amazing words of support wisdom and love on there which um are awesome to hear and um, some lovely photography as and well. some awesome photography as well um but in discussing grief he said they say time is a healing process i believe it isn't time within grief teaches us the importance of every single person whether dead or alive grief shows us how humanity is amongst the chaos when we lose someone we learn the true value of others and what it means to be human love unconditionally and forever beautiful words there by arun yeah um we had another response from mala on twitter um and she wrote it's a solo journey having others around is helpful but the grief is so personal and doesn't work in a linear line at all the stages of grief intertwine cross over and come when you least expect them sometimes all emotions are valid including anger and joy people grieve in different ways rituals aren't what everyone wants or gets comfort from people should be allowed to not be strong all the time as that facade can suppress grief mm-hmm. i can very much identify with what mala said there thank you mala for sharing that with us and lastly we have nina friend of ours who shares her experiences i lost my granddad last year and due to covid we had very very limited family come to support us or bring food or just sit and remember him 
Never have I missed the support of the wider community than in the days after his funeral. A man who could have filled a stadium of mourners, people who loved and respected him, had just 15 people at his funeral. I struggle every day with the thought that he may have felt we abandoned him because we couldn't see him in hospital before he left us. Community support is so vital in the days after a loss. Talking about grieving is somehow frowned upon in Indian society. The person died, the funeral happened, and then you're just meant to get on with it now. But I don't want to. I want to remember. I want to cry. I want to feel. But I'm scared to do so. I'm also scared of the pain. Thank you, Nina. That echoes the sentiments of everything that we've spoken about in the second half of this show. It's been an emotional one. Well, thank you all so much for everyone that's listening to this episode of The Native Immigrants. On the other side of the spectrum, we'll be back on the 1st of September. Because September for us is the month of love. Yes, it is. And I promise I won't cry. It'll be crying, but crying tears of a loveness instead. <laughs> Emotive loveness. Tears, tears of laughter. Tears of laughter, tears of love. Um, but yeah, it will be a month of love. And usually we talk about this and we've said it in jest before, but we are actually going to be talking about love every week for the month of love. Yeah, we're back for be weekly for weekly, September. Weekly for September with, with shows about love. And we'll be sharing more details about what will that entail on our social media. So follow us on at the Native Immigrants Podcast on Instagram and at Native Immigrants Single M on Twitter for more information. But for myself, Swami Barakas. And me, Jojo B. We'll see you all in September for the month of love. Peace.